What's up, everyone? It's Pete and Chris. It is about 11 minutes until pick trades begin, right? I'm, I'm correct on that, right? I should know, but yes. Yes, no, you are correct. It is 11 minutes and counting. Um, I just wanted to make sure it was actually tomorrow, but it is. Yeah, August yeah it's getting okay. close. <laughs> getting close. It is. I honestly have nothing lined up, and I have not had any discussions with anybody about specific players yet so i don't know yes I'm showing and i'm sure much, that but... i'm sure that it'll remain the same for the next two weeks <laughs> if i lose to a shit team again then probably well i mean we've got two matchups like that's that's actually like kind of something interesting that i'm trying to process is that we have two whole matchups of this like time period so i don't know i'm not gonna rush that's for sure no reason to um all right, well, let, let's jump into the P10. Chris, who do you got number one? Um, number one, I'm going to go with Weller's team this week. I'm going to take myself off the P10's top, so that way maybe I can break the um, top of the P10 curse that I think is really actually kind of legitimate. But um, So, yeah, <laughs> um, Weller had a great week. Um, it didn't really exactly show up in the final outcome of the matchup against Ian, but Ian's team's no joke either. Ian's team can handle himself. It's another above 500 team. Um, he had a great week from Lindor, who batted over 500 with a homer. Um, he had another good week from Jose Ramirez, who had 17 total bases and six RBIs. And then on the pitching side of things, like all of his guys lined up for the most part and like showed up, you know, he got seven innings out of Jake Odorizzi even. Wow. Um, that's like crazy impressive. <laughs> was that spread across two starts? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that it was just one. I think like, yeah, no, yeah, it was today. Yeah, no. he dominated. Oh. oh, that's right. Yeah, it was today. He dominated. But, um. Yeah, you know, like even when his pitchers are bad, like Logan Webb and Charlie Morton and Chris Bassett didn't even get quality starts, but like they're not so bad. They all gave up like four earned runs apiece. It's not like any nukes or blow ups because he has pitching that is super reliable week to week. And I think that I expect it to continue going forward. The one thing that I will say about his team is like, you know, like at what point do we consider Joey Votto just a complete drop altogether? But I don't think it really matters because he backed it up with Pasquantino off of free agency. So, yeah, I think Weller's team is still the team to beat. Yeah, Votto has homered four times in his last 10 games, I think, or something like that. So maybe he's turning a corner. I don't know. I don't know. He's been turning a corner like three times this season, though. You know what I mean? Like, at what point are we just like, this dude's provided very, very little value. And he's probably going to lose some help. At the very least, like we were talking about before the show, Brandon Drury probably. And if that's the case, then yikes. Yeah, the one thing that we didn't say about Weller's team is that losing Mike Trout is obviously like a big... A big, big um, hurting, but um, I think if any team can survive it, it's his team. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I forgot about the Lindor acquisition. So, yeah, Matt's loaded, number one, makes sense. Uh, let me pull up the scoreboard. Did you win this week? I tied. Oh, I really needed you to win big this week. I, I know, I needed, still... I needed you to win big, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that did not happen. Um, I'll go with uh, with your team, number two. Yeah, Jesus, cause... eight saves and holds for Drew. I know. That's a ton. He added Knable and a couple other guys that I dropped, and I'm like, damn. Yeah, yeah. And he's got Liam Hendricks, so that makes sense. Um, but anyway, uh, looking at your squad, I mean, so far, fortunately, you've avoided the injury bug too much. Um, 
who had a huge week for you? Because I thought there was some player. Yeah, Nick Castellanos looks like he might finally be coming around. The power is still not there, and it was mostly singles and doubles, but 12 for 30 on the week. He had a four-hit game today. That would be a huge resurgence uh, for you. I mean, overall, your offense performed pretty well, and your pitching did not, but it wasn't your aces. It seems like it was streams. Oh, yeah, the Chris Archer stream, and oh, Annabelle Sanchez and Glenn Otto. What what got into you this week? So I started it off um, really bad. I think one one person like started off my week really bad, and then it snowballed, but... Um... Then I just ended up having to chase. Like I was by the end of the week, I was like streaming like three guys, four guys. Today was chase five guys. Silseth. Yes, the first player from his draft class to make the MLB. Chase Silseth. Whoa! So, I know. Watch out! Watch out! He is the two hundred thirty-sixth ranked pitcher. No, but I think that like if you're going to talk about anybody on my team that is an Angels pitchers, you should at least talk about Reed Detmers a little bit. But that's just me. Yeah, no, Detmers has been nasty since he's called back. I mean, we were talking about this. The increased slider usage is huge, and this is someone with actual pedigree. So I think he's in it. I mean, we're going to save this conversation for later, but I think he's entered keeper discussions because if he's a reasonable starting pitcher that's young, keeping him for a 22nd round pick, as opposed to a player like Zach Wheeler for a fourth, the difference might end up being worth it, assuming you can use that earlier pick on a pitcher similar to Wheeler's ilk, but uh, yeah, no, Detmers has definitely been the the difference maker. Yeah, at least in my rotation wise, um, you know, Bobby Witt, hope, hopefully he's good. He got hit in the hand with a pitch, but they don't expect it to be anything. He missed some time this week with hamstring stuff, but um, he's, you know, him and Trey Turner and Jose Abreu are, are the backbone of my entire offense. It would be great if I get Castellanos back, but I'm going to try to prepare like it's not going to happen because he is just a different guy than we've seen. I, I So I think he's the same guy. It's a mixture of the ball and the venue change. But whatever the case is, I mean, it's hard to call him the same guy. I'll say that for sure. But like, I don't know. It, it seems like he's being seriously negatively impacted by these new the new balls. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. So who you got third? Hmm. This is where it's going to start to get... <sighs> A little bit interesting. I think that for this week, I'm going to go with Josh's team. Josh had a big week. Um, He beat Bliss like super duper handedly. Um, Wasn't even really close. Um, Look at the numbers that Bliss's team put up this week. I know it, it was really, really bad. But, you know, Josh himself had a good week. Like 12 home runs is a good week. Um, Almost 100 total bases. Um, Josh is going to be the leader in your division, I believe, after today, right? Yeah, for sure, because yeah. he was only a game behind Drew, and which I believe will make him. Drew. I believe that'll make him the third best record in the league. So, um, you know, I guess it's not necessarily shocking that I'm putting him here, but I do just think, like top to bottom, this is a really, really solidly built team, and kudos to Josh for doing it, especially because I'm pretty sure it was like pretty much all draft, like no trades, no real big acquisitions throughout the year. The biggest acquisition that he's made is acquiring Patrick Wisdom, who's like the fifth-rated third baseman um, on our player raider this year, which is just, you know, that's like a sad, sad story altogether otherwise. But, um, I mean, kudos for picking him up, like that's for sure. And then, like, you know, on the pitching side of things, you've got, 
Corbin Burns and you Darvish um, to just kind of like hold things together with uh, Edwin Diaz being the best closer in baseball. I'll give flowers to Jose, uh, to Jose Urquidy after I called him like basically a drop and he's been really, really good. Otherwise I still, I'm going to keep chiming it in. going to say it. I still think he's a drop. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily trust him. I know he's on a good team, but I just think Eight you know, quality starts in a row. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, next, next one won't be, won't be number nine. <laughs> I'm calling it. I'm calling my shot, right. like Babe Ruth. But yeah, no, Josh built really, really good team. Um, picked up some pieces along the way, like I said, with um, wisdom and you know acquiring Kimbrel, who is starting to look okay. I guess I hate him, and I wish that the Dodgers would just give the role to Evan Phillips. But you know, that's what it is. What it is. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Josh's squad definitely. Drafted an awesome team. If Josh is hearing this right now, I just want him to know because Josh and I know each other and we talk shit. I would have beat you nine to five this week. So like enjoy the lead, but you also got We had to get it in the pod, everybody. We had to sneak it in the pod there just in case. Oh, I mean we put Weller number one. I think I would have beat Weller ten to four. So I'm just gonna continue to talk my Do you know everybody do you know everybody's like everybody's score that you would have beaten by heart? Well I was I was looking before we uh before we started recording, I wasn't sure if you. I led. I led the league. It. Led the league in home runs this week and had an ERA under four. I had two steals from freaking Vlad Guerrero Jr. and I got absolutely scorched earth. But anyway, yeah, this Josh's team. Head head. Yeah, I. I will say I offered Josh straight up JD Martinez for Chris Sale before the Chris Sale injury, and then I added Miguel Vargas, who should get called up any moment now to that offer and he still said no and then literally the next day chris sale broke his pinky so i feel a little bit lucky there but uh yeah no i like josh's team there for number four looks like i keep clicking on the standings but the standings are about to change drastically uh, but i'm probably gonna go with john's team oh he only tied damon that's not a good sign uh <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean john's team's really good if, if it yeah john's team so yeah i'm gonna go with john's team it's stacked um jared kalnick is back up which could take john's team to a whole new level john was really geeked out when he traded for tommy edmund but ever since he traded for tommy edmund tommy edmund has been exceptionally mediocre he's down to batting 254 with only seven homers 35 rbi he is scoring a ton of runs and has 21 stolen bases a lot of those steals came before John traded for him. So John may have put the jinx on Tommy Edmond, but I mean, it's such a stack team. I still think he needs a pitcher. Pablo Lopez got absolutely nuked today. That's not a good sign. Um, but assuming John trades picks for a pitcher, which it does seem like he's going to do, I think his team is just as good as anybody else's. He just has to get in the playoffs, which he's he's on the, like, you know, it's on the periphery right now. He's I think he's going to be in tomorrow, but then talk to me in a week and we'll see if he's still in type deal. Yeah, I expect John's team to make the playoffs. I think it's good enough um, right now to even make the playoffs. And, you know, I think we're both expecting him to make some kind of move, whether it's pick related or not. I think that he's going to try and keep pace with other teams. Um, Pablo Lopez got really new today. It wasn't even just like <laughs> it was like really, really bad. Um but Johnny Cueto seems to be all right for him, um, which is just unbelievable. Um, yeah, so John's been very active this year. Not like, you know, crazy active, like Boston Army active, but he's been very active in picking up guys. And he's found some good ones along the way, um, you know, like Cueto, for example. And um, I don't know, he keeps chiming in about Yandy Diaz being like 
you know, this like stud muffin for him, but I don't know. Is Maybe. he still <laughs> going on about that? Yeah. I don't know if he has recently, but um, regardless, you know, the Kalanick pickup might, like you said, be really, really nice, especially considering that he, I think he was added off of waivers or no, no, no. He was added off of um, free agency and not waivers. So if he does end up being anything, John has a potential or no, no, no. Oh, he was added off of waivers. So yeah, Kalanick actually cannot be kept for a last round keeper. So even if he goes off, would you keep him? Interesting little side convo. Uh, I mean, he'd have to be really, really good because John yeah. has some serious high end options. To well, keep. if he, if he was on a team that wasn't John's team, say, like just like you know, like average then, yeah. keepers, you'd consider it. Uh, well, actually, I, I let me. What round did he go in? Do we know? He was one thirty seventh overall. So in our league, that would make him what? Like round nine, eleventh no, round. That's too high for me. It's round, is he it, went round is it round nine. nine? Oh, he did. Okay. So a ninth round yeah. pick, that's too high for you. Uh, I mean, even if he goes if off, he has like, if he has like a Giancarlo Stanton 2018 August, then like, yes, I'll, I'll keep him. But it would have to be a really incredible two months because round nine is still pretty hot. Names like, like Jazz Chisholm and uh, I'm looking here for Amber Valdez and Wilson Contreras and Zach Gallon went in round nine. So that's, it's not like nothing, you know? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I would I would be enticed by it, like if he had a really, really strong rest of season, like we said, but I don't know. I think it would be a little risky. Um anyways, yeah. So that is are is that your piece about John? For the oh yeah, part? I'm done with him. Cool. Yeah, I'm done with that loser. Um <laughs> uh I hope he trades Otani. Last last little thing. Um <laughs> We'll see. That'd be, that'd be amazing. He's all talk. He's not gonna trade Otani. I know, but it would be amazing because I would just love to see him off of John's team. It would be fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, so I think your team is who I'm going to go with next, even though you had you know, a rough week. I think that you've said it yourself plenty of times. You would have beaten mostly. Oh, I just want probably, those teams to know. Yeah, just those teams. But anyways, you would have beaten a lot of really good teams this week, and you just had the luck of – or the misluck, the unfortunate – what do you call it? The – the bad, bad luck, luck, I guess. Yeah, just the bad luck of playing in a head-to-head categories league um, where you face somebody who is like the top team in the week. And no matter what your week was like, if you're second best or even anything else, you're not going to beat them. But um, I still think that I like your team um, just as much, if not more, than any other roster in the league. So I think that adding Grandal was really, really big. I was bummed because oh, I had to so drop him. So excited when you dropped him! I know you were. I know you were because I could tell by how quickly you added him. I was like, "Gosh, darn it!" I thought I would have maybe a chance at getting him back, but I was stupid to let him go because I think like I ended up dropping Strasburg later on. Um, but yeah, so adding. Yeah, but you him, don't want to roster two catchers. Yeah, I know. But if Melendez falls off for a playoff hunt, I would definitely drop Melendez in a heartbeat if Grandal was like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it was yeah. like an extra piece that I could have used maybe. But regardless, it's not all too important. But I do think it would help boost your roster significantly, obviously, if Grandal starts to perform again, especially because we play in a walks league and Grandal's so good there. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you know what I mean? You had 13 homers this week. That's tied for the lead. You had 113 total bases, which would be not second in the league there was one other team that had more total bases than that but um other than Varun's team which was my team you know no big deal but um anyways uh so yeah you would have beaten like you would have beaten my team anyways too probably but you would have beaten almost every other team so I still like your team a lot you know you've got Vlad you've got Matt Chapman looks like he's risen from the dead um 
Willie Domus is still providing power, if nothing else. And you've got two guys like Jordan Alvarez. Oh, I already said Vlad, but then, you know, the pitching Alcantara, McClanahan and Freed is about as good of a one, two, three as anybody can ask for this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the point where like, I've been able to say that several times this year where it's like, Oh, I would have beaten everybody else in the league, but I lost. And it's getting to the point where like, it's not fun to say that anymore because I'm not, I'm not only like out of a playoff spot. I'm like far out of a playoff spot. Like I need, I need to have a big week against my or big weeks against my division when we get there. But it's like, what more do I do? I don't, other than like acquiring a pitcher, I don't, I don't see anywhere in my offense where I want to trade to upgrade. Like I've, I, it look, it looks like an offense that has already traded picks for players, and so then it's like, what, uh, what is there to do other than sit on my hands and watch this team shit all over itself for the final five weeks of the season? Yeah, I just, I don't think that it will shit itself, but you know, it has. So. <laughs> it has already crapped itself, so we'll see. <laughs> the pants are covered um, in feces, but yeah, let's. Look at another team I would have beat this week, and I'll say that number six, we're on number six, right? Yeah, we are. We're zooming through this. Okay. Uh, I'll go with Brian. Um, I dumped Max Muncy on Brian, so enjoy after him. Take, or after taking him from Brian, if I'm not Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Him, wrong, him right? and yeah. Uh, a guy by <laughs> the name just of Shane McClanahan. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, like, this would have been a huge week for Max Muncy um, because he got to play four games at Coors and he went three for 14. So, I don't know what more to say about Max Muncy. He's hurt. Anyway, he's hurt. I, I he's guess hurt. so, but like, it's time to. It's time to put the dog down. Like, yeah, no, for sure. They should shut him down like, and they should call Vargas up Vargas. Yeah, up they here. really they should have done that weeks ago, but they haven't. And I mean, they haven't really lost any ground in the standing so it's not that big of a deal but like i just don't understand what the delay is here but whatever so yeah I, I, I don't get it either maybe by the time this posts you know we're good i i feel bad for him because jt brubaker has been such a strong stream and he got nuked today against the phillies so that didn't help his cause this week but otherwise like brian's team is again like one of those teams like your team like my team like john's team like weller's team that like it pretty much has everything you need. So now it's just, how's it going to finish these final five weeks? And how's it going to do in the playoffs if it makes it? But like, I don't, this is why pick trades are so weird this year, because first of all, literally everybody in the league is selling. And second of all, like I don't out of the contenders, I don't know what more of these teams need <laughs> that like is available. First of all. And second of all, like, is it worth mortgaging your future? Because if, Brian is able to get back. He's getting back Matt Manning this week, could, which could be interesting. Manning showed something before he got hurt. And if he gets Jazz Chisholm back, like what, what more do you need? You know, like I, I feel like it's a championship roster. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely is like Brian is so good at finding guys to fill the gap, you know, like, I mean, Alec Baum this week hit 484 you know, with 21 total bases and four He's RBIs. Big time. It's like, yeah. and you know, Alec Bohm is a guy who's been on how many rosters this year, you know? So it's not like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not like Alec so Bohm's true. been amazing, but he's, he's somebody who can fill in the gaps. And that's like what you need to do when your third baseman goes down or your second baseman goes down or this goes down or that goes down. You need to just 
plug and play. And he is the, you know, literally the number one team when it comes to plugging and playing. Um, so yeah, just hats off to a good regular season. So one last thing on Brian, like he's, he's such a good manager. Like I was looking at his roster, like why the hell did he, he really stream is. this guy? Why, why did he stream this guy? Kirk McCarty. Like, <laughs> what? and it's because McCarty was a follower today for Cleveland, which meant it, he had a great chance at getting a win if he came into the game with a lead. And that's exactly what happened. He pitched three three and a third mediocre innings and ended up with a win, which I want to see. Was that a difference maker in the matchup? It was. He tied wins because, <laughs> because of Kirk McCart. Was that his name? Kirk McCarty. Yeah. It doesn't matter what his name is, dude. It really doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter what his name is. Um, it's annoying. <laughs> don't get me wrong. To have to like do like this kind of work can be kind of annoying. But I don't know. If you're a baseball fan, like shouldn't it be kind of fun being like, yeah, I'm going to roll the dice on Kirk McCarthy. And I'm going <laughs> to see if maybe I can tie up wins. Like, I don't know. I just I feel like Boston gets enjoyment out of that. I get enjoyment out of that. Good managers get enjoyment out of rolling the dice every once in a while. I don't know. Yeah, he's never shy to stream anybody. So this time it uh, it worked out. What an interesting move there. Because like you got to do the research for that because those guys don't appear for the probable pitchers when you do the filter. So you got to use like a pitcher list, like follower chart or something like that. And well done. Yeah. Yep. Number seven. All right, number seven. I think I'm going to go with Ian's team because Ian had another week where like he didn't win this week, but he didn't lose to what is arguably like the best constructed roster in the league, in your, in my opinion, at least like, you know, top three. I think both of us would definitely agree there. Um, but Ian just like, and he doesn't make a ton of ads either. So it really does come from within house. Um, you know, like this week, um, Randall Gertrick hit 391. Ian's been stashing Randall Gertrick since he was dropped like you know a couple weeks ago and randall gertrick was like screaming out to nobody right like you know what i mean none of us were like oh i want that guy i want that guy but ian's like all right here's a guy with pop who plays in cores i have a need because trent grisham sucks and um i need to fill that spot like why don't i just fill it with gertrick and gertrick is like you know, he's capable of delivering weeks that could potentially impact your matchup. So Ian does that all the time and he's like really, really savvy with it. And um, I think it's another like good year for Ian with a team that like, you know, from top to bottom doesn't really like jump out at you on the page, but like Will Smith, um, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, Carlos Correa, um, you know, Canna in the leadoff spot for the Mets. Like, CJ Crone, like these are guys that are going to really help boost all of your hitting categories week to week. And Ian finds a way of like accruing all of them throughout a season and, and just putting together a roster of dudes who play and dudes who um, garner stats. Um, and then on the pitching side of things, it's the same thing. Like, you know, Merrill Kelly was amazing today for Ian. Um, I don't know how many guys, again, tried out Merrill Kelly for a little bit and then decided this isn't for me, but Ian just decided to hold on. And he's been very, very valuable for Ian in the course of the whole season. I mean, you know, he gets strings of quality starts from Marco Gonzalez. And like I traded, I made a trade and Marco Gonzalez was like a guy that I dropped same day that the trade 
processed because I was like, I don't, I don't want this guy, you know, but Ian's like, yeah, I'll take it. Cause I'll get a few quality starts out of him along the way. And I'll win a few close categories every now and again, and I'll squeak by with a good season that's above 500 and maybe I'll make the playoffs and have a run there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hate Marco Gonzalez. I think that guy sucks, but everything we all else, do, but <laughs> Ian, Ian, like that's my, that's what I'm saying. Ian recognizes the value that he has. So Ian has played both myself and Weller over the last two weeks, and it's only by a half game, but he's above 500 over those two weeks. And now he gets rewarded because the next two weeks he faces Evan and Damon, which might be the two worst rosters in the league. No offense to those guys. This season just has not gone their way, although it does look like Evan will have Devers back. So that is something. So I don't know. He was kicking around the idea of selling like to come out of these two weeks looking great. And now you get to feast like, I'd be buying. This is a team that, like, if Ian's going to commit and go for it, he needs to buy. And it's definitely a, a a buyer's market. And especially since what he needs isn't pitching. Like, Scherzer, Luis Garcia, Tony Gonzalez, Kyle Wright. Like, that could do it, assuming a couple of those guys are not on too strict of an innings gap, which might actually be the case. But if he adds, like, a thunderous bat to, first of all, get Eugenio Suarez out of his lineup, or just put, actually, he doesn't even need to because he can put LeMahieu at third and put Crone at first. If he can get an outfielder and then get Robert back, well, now he's cooking. So, yeah, this team could be one, actually, that that comes out of the deadline looking significantly different and, and looking like a real contender. Even the guys that he would have on his bench will be starting and playing every day. So he has the luxury of if a guy's not starting, he's got a few bench bats that he could just put in. For sure. So we're on to eight. Is that right? Yes, it is. All right. Uh, looking back at the scoreboard. Let me look at the standings, make sure we didn't miss anybody obvious. Uh, oh, yeah, Drew. So Drew might sell, um, which is interesting. I wouldn't if I were him. And I say that sincerely because I have everything to gain by him selling and nothing to gain by him buying. But and everything to lose by him buying. But like, if he's going to get Bryce back, which I don't know what the timeline is on Bryce. And I know Bryce said he was going to play again this year, but he's, he's still not cleared to have pins removed from his surgically repaired left thumb. That was a few days ago. So maybe never not. If we get positive news on Bryce Harper over the next two weeks, then I would consider buying if I was Drew. If not, I totally understand selling. Gallon is very good. He's not who he was his first seven starts, but he's also not who he was his next like eight after that where he was bad. He's somewhere in the middle. I think he's a perfectly fine three and a half ERA, you know, nine on the dot caper nine pitcher. I see him. He's got a markdown as a keeper now. I don't know if I do that, but I guess my point by bringing up Gallon and some of these other guys like Berrios who bounced back again today and is starting to look better. It's it's like a very good roster that's missing in ace and missing the monster bat in Bryce. Um, Cause if you put Bryce with Mookie and then you added an ace to that rotation, then like, yes, this is a definite contender. So I understand the selling. I still wouldn't do it. Not with that record. Um, and with division matchups still to go, like you clean up that last week, you're in the playoffs with a rotation that is not as good as some of the other rotations, but definitely is deep. Um, and he tied your team this week, which is the number one team in the league. So, like, I don't know. That's a that's a tough, tough place to be selling. Yeah, um, I think I'm with you. I don't think I'd be selling. Um, Mookie Betts is going to be getting second base eligibility, I think, pretty soon, um, which is going to open up his infield quite a bit. 
and um, he's already got Mullins and a Rosarena in the outfield. And so even if you don't get Bryce back, you already have like decent enough talent in the outfield. You really need help in the infield. So I do think that, you know, once Mookie gets that second base eligibility and if he were to acquire like one strong infield bat, and, you know, maybe some pitching to go along with it. Like you said, an ace would obviously help. But, like, he's got, a, he's got a few different arms that I think would project to go deep innings into September. So I don't know if it necessarily is, nece- like, something that you need an ace for or if you just, you know, can maybe bolster up the back end. But I do think that this team is in a position to compete legitimately. I think if you want to do that, the way to actually do that, and the and it's ironic because he said that he's the only one that's untouchable on his team, but I think that the way to do that is through trading Bryce Harper. You might not even have to trade picks if you have a team who is like really committed to Harper for the long term, and you can get some reinforcements right now. Like you have you have good people that you could keep next year with like Mookie. You know, um, I think Mullins is, is a decent keeper option. Um, he wasn't in the top three rounds. Um, and, you know, a few others uh, as well that you could potentially see, like Gallon, like you said, or maybe somebody else. But um, I think if you did that, you would potentially be in line to get a package in return that could strengthen you for a playoff run. You might not have to give away picks, but. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, it's kind of the keeper, the keeper, the new keeper rules make it, I think, a little bit easier to buy because you can still go into the draft as if you were a seller because you have all those early picks if you play the keeper game well um and trading bryce could certainly do that i'm looking at mookie chris because i remember you saying that he only has one start at second base is he moving there full time now so he's been playing there the last few games and okay he might only have one start but how many games played does he have there i think that that is what espn actually looks at it's not game started I think I think it's game started because if you click on eligibility, it just puts down one for second base. Really, that's interesting. I, I feel like maybe that's a new rule then because I know that like Melendez hasn't started every outfield game. I don't believe. I mean, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe he has started every outfield game, but I'm pretty sure that some of the games have been like he's shifted throughout the game. But well, I have maybe a lot to gain if past. he does get the second base eligibility. Well, maybe he obviously won't, not in this then. league in others, <laughs> but even I hope he, he does. Even if he doesn't, I think my thing is like, I don't expect Bryce to be back this year. I really don't. Philly, I don't think is in a position to compete long-term. And I don't think that they're going to be heading into this deadline as buyers, which I think they would need to do in order to compete. And if that's the case, if they're not competing, then they have really no incentive to bring Bryce back earlier than he needs to. And he's already had like a setback. You said it like a few minutes ago that like he he's not ready to have the pins taken out like that's a very clear sign like the doctors are saying like no this guy's not good yet like you have to wait and if philly has nothing to play for then why why rush it but you know that's just me that's my opinion no i i agree i'd be surprised if we see bryce again there's just so much they've invested in him that like right now their record is good a 55 and 47 i'd take that for the red sox but maybe maybe it's more we're not going to rush him back and if we can stay afloat and he's back for the playoffs then great but we're definitely not going to rush him back just to make the playoffs i don't know yeah i'm kind of surprised that philadelphia has that record i didn't think that they were that strong that strong this year but how many games back from the wild card are are they do you have it up um now because google's like automatic search results are absolutely no it's all good either way but i mean there's so they're still in contention so like 
I guess you know, like I, I'll backtrack on what I just said if they're if that's their record because they're that that's a path to the playoffs for sure. And if they're if they think that they have a legitimate chance with Bryce, then you know they'll want him back. I, I and I, yeah, I agree, but I still think you're you're right. They're not gonna like they're not gonna rush it either way, even if they're winning or not. Yeah, because they've been winning without him, so they might just say let's let's keep trying it, and if sure. it works out, great. But sure. yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, we're on all to right. ten. Number or is it number nine? Oh yeah, it's number nine because that was my number pick, nine. Drew. All right, so I think for this pick, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Would it be funny if I went with Paul's team again? Um, no, I'm gonna go with Varun, um, who actually, yeah. you know, handedly beat you this week. Um, would be the only team capable of doing so, and happened to be the one that you faced. So. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, I know. I figured I, I would do it before you jumped in, but um, I wasn't. But yeah, <laughs> no, I know, I know. But so here's the thing with with um, Baroon's team, like Austin Riley's really, really, really good. Austin Riley's like he's so good that he's able to hold up this offense pretty much on his own. Like the rest of the offense is fine. Don't get me wrong. Not trying to throw shade. You know, like. Bogarts is fine. I'll throw um, shade. That offense sucks. <laughs> it's it's not like super duper good. Let's put it that way. It's not like super duper talented, in my opinion, <laughs> top to bottom. But Austin Riley is literally buoying the entire offense to like a point where sure. it's winning enough categories to sustain itself because we both know that the pitching is very, 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 very good. Um like I can't stress enough how good the pitching is, you know, like even Ian Anderson had a good week. And if Ian Anderson starts having good weeks, then we're all in trouble um, because he's got Garrett Cole. He's got, um, you know, Brandon Woodruff. He's got Kevin Gossman. He's got Carlos Rodon. Um, another team that like, I would not sell with this team. I would not sell because what it has is already good enough to maybe compete in the playoffs. And then you add, like, if you were to buy, like, you know, one other star bat to go along with Riley, like, I, that could be enough. That could be more than enough. The pitching's good enough to beat anybody's pitching week in and week out. It's, I don't know. I think that Varun, Ian, Drew have the most to gain from acquiring a star player or two in this deadline. And if they Agreed. were to do so... I think that they would instantly jump into the top echelon of che- of teams that we discuss week in and week out. Agreed. For some, uh, for one or two of those, it might take more than one guy, but I I agree. They have the most to gain from potentially buying, which also maybe makes sense why they've kicked around the idea of selling. Right? Like, there's no question that in our league, there's huge incentive to sell extra picks, even though the people that have gotten them have kind of blown them that's just happened. That's just part of the deal with drafting, right? I'm sure I've gotten extra picks that I've blown in the past. It doesn't mean it's not a sound strategy. It is huge incentive to sell. So if it looks like it's not going, like if your best player has pins in his hand and it's August 1st, I understand the idea of selling. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot there to gain. It's okay to try and win. Like that's, that's an okay tactic. Um, I think honestly, like based on what I've read in the discord of the teams that are kicking around, like the teams that are definitely selling and looking at the standings, like combining those two things, those nine teams are the ones that are like in it for 10. I'm just going to choose Paul because of the remaining teams. If any of them decided to go for it, if any roster had the ability to go for it, I think it's this one. 
Now the problem is he's I th- he did win this week, right? I, I can't even. I don't I know if he up. did or not. Um, yeah, he did. So he won seven he five. That was okay. against that uh, Kirk McCarty. How could I forget? But the problem is now he faces John, and then actually no, his schedule's really easy the rest of the way. He's got John and Weller two of the next three weeks. His other three opponents are very boring. Pitches be crazy and Monmouth Hawks. He could conceivably win those three matchups by an average of 10 to four or 11 to three and find himself in the playoffs. That is a cake cake schedule. So like, man, if he can just survive against John and Weller and capitalize on those other matchups, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a, uh, that's worth going for. So there's 16 teams in the league. So, the 10 that we've talked about, right? Like we all, we both view them as playoff contenders, right? Like contenders to make the playoffs at least, right? Uh-huh. Well, the nine anyway, Paul's going to have to really clean up. And how many teams are selling? Oh, like 15. <laughs> Honestly, seems... I think everybody's mentioned selling besides you and John. Like I've brought it up because I, ju- I should have won, you know, 10 to four this week and lost nine to one. So like you have to be realistic because the worst thing you could do is buy and miss the playoffs. That is by far the worst thing any team could possibly you do. That can, is a doomsday you, scenario. You can and or yeah, like that can happen and and yeah, that is a doomsday situation. But like you know, kind of on the flip opposite side of the coin, like you don't have to hemorrhage your future in order to win a championship. And I think Jimmy proved that last year. Um, and the other time you know, he won. <laughs> yeah, times. and the other time, both times he won. But like <laughs> other people have proved it too. But I just mean in the most recent context, anyways. Like, oh yeah, last no, year sure. I hemorrhaged everything. Like I sold Acuna, sold my picks, sold everything, and it didn't matter because it's a head-to-head league. So I'm looking at it very differently going in from now on. Like I'm only going to be willing to give up what I feel like. You know, like I'm going to stand pat with what I believe. Like this year, it's my fifth round pick. I'm going to stand pat in that. Like I feel like I can afford to give that up. So I'm going to give it up if I so choose. But I'm not going to do something that puts me in an uncomfortable position for the rest of time because I don't think you have to do so in order to win a championship. That's a good point. And and I agree with it 100%. I do think the new rules on keepers will make it easier for people to buy, right? Like I think some people who, if they, if in a normal year, I, I say a normal year, if in like years past, they were going to sell, if they look at it now and say, well, I'm on the borderline, but like my keepers are worth a 17th rounder, a 20th rounder and a seventh rounder. So like, I, I could get picks, but I don't need them. Like I'm, I'm already set up nice for next year. So why don't I just try to win this year? I think that is going to be some added incentive, but in the early going of this new rule, I don't think, I don't think people are willing to keep lesser players. And, and it's probably a good conversation to have for the remaining time we have on the podcast about keepers and stuff, which we're going to do for a particular division. But like, if that was me and I don't have that situation, cause my keepers are high end and I'm, I'm going to keep them despite the round cost. But, if I had a Kyle Wright and name a couple of other, you know, latish keeper worthy guys, then like that's way more incentive to just go for it this year because how bad can it get? Like if I trade my fourth round pick, well, if I have rounds one, two, and three, and I already feel pretty good about my keepers, then who cares? Like I'm going to go for it. And I, that we really needed that because so many teams sell. Yeah. I mean, 
that's I think it's just become an epidemic because I mean you cannot like so Weller is a perfect example of like the success that you can have by doing it. Um, you know, last year he I think he found out pretty early that he wasn't really gonna be looking to go to the playoffs and he acquired a buttload of picks and he ended up, you know, looking really good this year on draft day. And so I think that that entices a lot of people. Um Maybe these new rules help with that, with the new keepers. I think that that's definitely a possibility. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, it might be more of the same if the keeper, like, set, if the people, like, the keepers that are people are selecting, if they're, like, still the early round, like, studs right. or whatever, I think it might end up just being more of the same, like, unless people start to kind of, like, break the mold a little bit and get a little bit more creative with their keepers, like you said. So... I don't know. You know, it's going to be really interesting. I think that there does need to be some kind of hard lock, you know, for us, like with enough time um, beforehand so that we can kind of play the field and see who everybody is keeping and kind of strategize there. But, you know, that's that's a topic for another time. Yeah, no, I, it, it's all great points. I think it's definitely a case by case basis, but you're right. It's going to be people's comfortability with not keeping their elite players. And like I wasn't bullshitting you when I said I was considering if Dustin May comes back and looks good, keeping him over Vlad. Because at the end of the day, what's going to be worth more to me, whoever I take in the second round, because Jordan would then take up my first, so it would be a second rounder that I get for Vlad, and Dustin May, who Eric Cross, and I know John doesn't like it, but Eric Cross says go, starting next year going forward, he has Dustin May as a top 20 starting pitcher, which like I think is ridiculous, maybe a little hot take-ish, but he's filthy. He's looked good in his rehab. I don't. I, we don't need to go down Dustin May, just player X. No, I think player that, X. Yeah. It's good to name in the twenty second round. You know, it gives people like it's good to name them and like talk about guys for sure. who they are because it gives you know a little bit more context for it. You know, so I'll take that. Dustin May, I think, is a perfectly fine choice if he comes. Or we back could go he, with we could go with yours with Reed Demers, like exactly. one of that was those what I was two say. versus Vlad versus Witt Junior. And obviously, I think Vlad is more valuable than Witt Junior. But it's besides the point. Like, I think the player I would get in the second round with Dustin May is worth more than Vlad with whoever I would take in the 22nd round and which, maybe by a significant margin. Which it, is why just, I it, think the hard lock date, which is what I was saying is plays a factor because it's like, you have to make sure that the players that are available that you would take in the second round are second round caliber players, right? Like if there's gonna no, there. right. yeah, if there's no second round caliber players, then you can keep whoever you want. But like, if you don't have like, the talent to pull from because those guys are kept because they're legitimate studs then it's it's going to be tough to validate like you know coupling up may with a player that you don't think is fair value for the round that you cost him in rather than just keeping vlad and then drafting the pitcher later but like a, a comparable pitcher to may maybe but it's just it's going to take some feeling out. Like we're going to need to kind of have a year to, you know, sort of experience with it before we start to, you know, get crazy with changing it up again. I think that it's, I think it's for the good though. Like this, this establishes value at a fair cost. Oh, it's a, it's a way. I mean, it's, it's how every league does keepers outside of ESPN. Yeah. ESPN did not have this feature, but like, if you just think of it from like a, general standpoint like of course it's not equal or or it's not at all equitable to just have everybody's keepers be the first three rounds it also doesn't reward good drafting which 
in baseball really matters because we can find those late targets and we can get those guys off free agency. But I mean, we can get into what we're going to do next, but I think it's an interesting conversation. I would encourage people to like, like fantasy is a numbers game. So don't get attached to Soto or Acuna or Vlad Jr. Like if you want to win fantasy, like do the numbers. And if the player that you would have in the 22nd round is not worth, you know, keeping Vlad or, or whatever the case may be, then don't do it. Anyway, uh, Chris and I were going to go over, go division by division for the next four P10s and just like really quickly go over one interesting keeper based on this new rule for each team. And we're going to start with the Stalingrad division, which is Matt, Evan, Paul, and Damon. Um, which two teams would you prefer to discuss, Chris? I think I'll just I'd let like to, you pick two. I'd like to go with uh, Weller and I'd like to go with Paul. Okay, so I'll take Evan and I'll take Damon and we can alternate. So tell us one interesting keeper on Matt Weller's team. So Matt Weller's team, I think the most interesting keeper choice based off of our new rules would be Alejandro Kirk. Um, and I don't think that it's really very close. Um, he did a call. great job. He did a great job with drafting. So, you know, you can make the argument like that some of these players get deserve to be kept at their draft price, especially like somebody like Justin Verlander. I think that one popped off the page because Justin Verlander was drafted, you know, probably in like the sixth or seventh round, I think at the earliest, maybe I'm even light on that. Let me see. He was number 90th overall. So what does that work out to be? That works out to be like a fifth round pick in our league sixth Sounds round pick. about right yeah yeah like a sixth round pick and i think that you know justin verlander's obviously been in our league anyways the second best pitcher on the player raider so i think that that's kind of a lock for a keeper but the most interesting one i think is kirk because kirk has been the number one catcher in fantasy and i don't or maybe he's it says that he's number two now i don't know did somebody pass him who could have possibly passed alejandro kirk um oh what's his face it's not even will smith um it's not even will smith really that's hilarious yeah it's somebody it is... oh, why am i missing this jt real muto but that doesn't like even wait feel no right way at all yeah that's yeah what it that's says not in our for, league anyways for standard five by five it's wilson Contreras. uh okay well but still alejandro kirk in probably every league is like second overall, which really, in my opinion, almost makes him first overall because it's like to be that consistently, you know, number two in every single league just proves that you've, you're capable of no matter what the league format is, you're capable of succeeding. So Alejandro Kirk, you know, this year, 12 home runs, 48 RBIs or 48 runs, 40 RBIs for a catcher is Really, really good and the reason why it's really really good is because he plays every day when he doesn't play catcher he's playing dh and when he doesn't play or when he well he's playing those two positions he's playing them for the toronto blue jays and he's hitting in the middle of the toronto blue jay line which is stacked with you know names like vladimir guerrero jr and george springer and Bo bichette and so all of this put together makes a really really interesting player who plays at the very weakest position in all of fantasy and he's going to do it every day. And we, we can't really like talk down the impact of a fantasy catcher that plays every day because it's just gar- it's just gathering stats that from a position that normally just doesn't. So I do think that Alejandro Kirk is an absolute consideration in keepers um, for this season because he can be kept for a last round pick. And so every year from then on in, it's you know two rounds of 
tax added on. So feasibly keeping Alejandro for like three seasons is something that seems possible with these new rules. So would you agree with that? Oh yeah. I, I love Alejandro Kirk. I think it's a great call. I mean, so like, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to release like state secrets, but I'm, I'm out of the playoffs. So why would anybody give a crap? The first two things, the first two things I look at for hitters are K rate and exit velocity, because if the K rate's low, that means the majority of their balls go in play. And so what's their average exit velocity? Because if the ball's in play, is it hit hard? Alejandro Kirk has a absolutely ridiculous 9.9% K rate. That is in the 98th percentile in all of baseball. And his average exit velocity is 91.7, which is in the 91st percentile. So you combine those two things with the fact that he's 23 years old and a catcher and worth a 22nd round pick. If he was on any other team, he's a slam dunk keeper. I I don't know with Weller because Weller is like are arguably the two best players in baseball. I know they're not, but like you could make the case that he has the two best players in baseball. And then like you said, Verlander on a good contract. So it's a tough, tough call. But man, like just to, especially since we're a one catcher league to just lock up that position and be better than everybody else there. That is uh, that's tempting. That's a great call. I would have gone with Kirk as well. Let's, you let's me just one. quickly, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but let's just quickly discuss like the impact of Kirk versus someone like Mike Trout, who is now on a first round keeper contract and who will have something yeah. on his back for the rest of his life. Like, do you think that that is something that you as a fantasy manager, if you were in Weller's shoes, that you'd have to consider? Like, cause this is what um, we're talking about, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. Like, so to answer your question, like, I do think, I do think if I was, if I was Matt, like Kirk's situation is too good to pass up. I'd, I'd have to keep him for a 22nd round pick. I just don't know if it's Mike Trout that would be the casualty. Trout kind of talked down his his injury. But like if I could have Trout and Jose Ramirez and then still get my third round, my third through 21st round picks consecutively and have catcher locked up so I don't have to worry about it. That's that's so appetizing. You and have to pass on Verlander in that case. You comfortable which passing like, on Verlander in that case? I don't mean to be all Max Kellerman, but like at some point it has to fall off, right? Like no, his, I get you. I get you. The strikeouts aren't there, and that matters for our format. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say they're not there. He's striking people out, but I'm looking. I'm trying to look up the swing strike rate right now. No, I it's, it's low. Like he's low. he's accruing it through volume, but like it's the same thing as Alcantara. You know what I mean? Like, I mean Alcantara's um, K rate is not like significant, but he's going to be one of the league leaders in Ks because of the innings that he pitches. But it does matter for us with K nine. That's the only true, thing. True, it does. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I keep Kirk over Verlander. I think. Yeah, I think that that's that's interesting enough. So yeah, all right. Um, after you, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it is interesting. No, that's because, okay. Like you know, like these are conversations that we're going to need to start having, and that's kind of weird. And like having Kirk for years, not just next year. It's not just the value of a twenty second versus a seventh or whatever for Verlander. It's a it's a twenty second, then a twentieth, then an eighteenth, and so on and so on. Um, you gave me like one of the most boring options. And I don't mean that in a negative way with Evan, because I, I actually think his keepers are just obvious. Like you made your bed, you got to lie in it with Wander Franco and then Devers and Albies. Like, I, I don't. I, so the one that I'm going to go with is Andrew Heaney, which is like incredibly risky, but he did take him on, not until the 16th round. So if Heaney has really turned a corner by going to the Dodgers organization and when he's been healthy, he's been, He's been really, really good, which is a super limited sample size, I realize. But like, 
it's a really tough team to do right now. Um, there's no chance I do Nico Horner, even though he's a 22nd. Um, and then the only one that sticks out is Freddie Peralta, but that would still cost a fourth round pick because Freddie Peralta was added through waivers, not through free agency. And to be quite honest, there's not a whole lot of other interesting options. And you got to feel bad for Evan because uh, of the four of the five names that I just gave you are on the IL. And the one that is not is Andrew Heaney, who has spent the majority of the season on the IL. So my apologies, Evan, but there's, this is not an interesting keeper situation. If I was Evan, I would be buying to get a keeper. Yeah, I do think that that is the road that I would take too. Um, but I do think that Heaney on a 16th round contract is very interesting actually. And I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, Especially when your other options are those guys, right? Yeah, for sure. When those other options are kind of the way that they are, I would, I would consider anything at this point, but, um, but Heaney, like the Dodgers clearly have magic when it comes to starting pitchers who flash some skills elsewhere, but don't necessarily know how to put it together. Like the Dodgers have a habit of grabbing those guys and finding a way to put it all together. And I do think that like, a healthy season from the Andrew Heaney that we've had this year. It doesn't even need to be fully healthy, like an 160 inning season from Andrew Heaney that we've seen this year. That's keepable, especially on a 16th round contract. Um, when you don't really have any other starting pitchers that you feel comfortable enough keeping. So I do think that there is something there with Heaney and I would be watching him very, very heavily rest of the season. If I was Evan um, to see if he can kind of, maintain the value that he's had this year to make me feel like okay like all i need is like 160 innings out of this guy like i don't feel great but like i don't feel great about anybody else really for that so why not yeah yeah no heaney definitely and his his next most interesting option is definitely andrew heaney so next up we have i already forgot paul paul yeah so um I took Paul because there's a guy that he and I were discussing today a little bit as a keeper for him potentially. And that's Brandon Drury. Drury was added off of um, free agency. So he would be also a last round keeper. Um, a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about are going to be last round keepers because obviously that's the highest value that you could possibly, you know, get from your draft position anyways. So Brandon Drury would be a last round keeper. I think that it depends a lot on and you and I were talking about it a little bit is is Brandon Jury going to be on the trading block? I happen to think that there is a likelihood, not necessarily a strong likelihood, but I think that there's maybe just as good of a likelihood as he stays on the Reds um, for next season. Um, and because like I don't know exactly what team is going to be breaking the the bank on Drury, and if the Reds aren't in a position where they feel like they're going to get a lot, like they already got Noel V Marte, like you know what I mean? They landed their big prospect prize, so at this point, anything else I think that they're looking at is just bonus. So maybe they trade away Drury, but he's been so hot this year that like I don't think you're going to get fair value for him. So why trade him if he's going to continue to rake? And I think that he's proven that in Great American he can put it all together, like. You know, other players have shown that in Great American, they take a massive power boost. I'm looking at Nick Castellanos as an example. So why not with Brandon Jury? So if he stays on the Reds, I think that he is actually in keeper consideration, even with Paul's team that has a lot of players on the roster that could be in that discussion as well. Yeah, uh, Jury is an interesting case. I've, I roster him in a lot of other leagues. Because I looked at that underlying stuff and saw how much he was pulling the ball and putting the ball in the air, and I really liked it. 
Of course, he hit a home run today, too. For, it was a pinch hit home for, run. I think it ended up winning the game. Oh, did it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it might yeah. have been a walk-off. Um, I I hear what you're saying. I think I think if the Reds don't trade him, it's a mistake. And I would be worried that if he... I wonder what I want to know what his contract situation is, because if he does for whatever reason leave Great American Ballpark, then at that point it's like I just have no interest. Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year, so if he does not sign back, like he his splits this year are rough. they're actually not as rough as I thought they were, but an eight ninety three OPS at home, which is absurd, and a seven seventy eight on the road, which is bad, not good. Um, if you look at like WRC plus, it's still pretty good in the road. It's 115, but like it, that just doesn't matter for fantasy. That's that accounts for a lot more than than what we do. So like out of his options, he's definitely interesting, especially as a 22nd round pick. I wouldn't go for it in his case, but he does have like no shortage of options, especially on the pitching side. Um, like he seems pretty committed to cease, which I think I would be as well, especially in a K per nine league. But you look at even names like like Whitlock and Christian Javier, like guys who are probably going to take on more of a prominent role with their teams next year, I think is super interesting. So whether it's Drury, whether it's one of those other guys or whoever, or maybe he just commits to studs, like he's going to have a pretty good situation next year. Yeah, the whole thing I think that my argument was predicated on is Drury staying in Great American. So if that doesn't happen and him being a free agent at the end of the year definitely suggests that that's more of a possibility than I probably alluded to in the beginning. Um, but yeah, so if he does stay there, I think that that's one thing. But if he doesn't, then you can kind of take that argument and throw it down the toilet. It is interesting how how amazing he has been this year, though. Like, holy crap. Definitely. I think that the Great American Boost is, like, for real. Like, I posted something, I think. I don't know if he saw it in our... Oh, no, 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 because I only sent it to Paul. That's right. So Aaron Judge would be on pace for 79 home runs if he played all of his games in Great American. <laughs> That's just so stupid. Isn't it? It's just crazy. That really is. Um, that guy sucks, though. Uh, all right, let's Big look time. at our last one. Yeah, he's, he's trash. I can't wait until the positive steroid test comes back. Um, anyway, speaking of Aaron Judge, we have to look at Damon, who led the league in home runs during the extended All-Star Week pretty much he had 17 home runs and it was pretty much Aaron judge hitting 17 home runs, but um, because he's on steroids, I'm trying to just stall and pull up his roster here. Okay. Um, so uh, there's no chance I'm keeping Eloy Jimenez. Um, I want to see what round he got Riley green in because most likely there's no chance I'm keeping Riley. Green. If I'm keeping a busted prospect and I'm not saying he's a bust bust, but he was a bust for the 2022 season. Unless he goes crazy. I'm not spending a 14th round pick on him. It's not happening. Um, so that leaves us with the obvious judge who I would I, I would hesitate, but we're a 16 team league, so I would pay a first round pick to keep him. And then it's like, do you want to spend a, a second round pick to keep Walker Bueller? I don't think so. Um, his most interesting options might actually be Jose Miranda and Brady Singer. Like this might be the team that sh- like will be the I'm going to take the risk and see what happens by keeping super late picks to keep those two players. It would cost a 22nd to 21st. Both of those guys have been to varying degrees, top prospects, not exactly elite cream of the crop, like top 10, like a Alex Kirilov or a, or a CJ Abrams or a Royce Lewis. I don't know why I'm naming like all twins, but you get what I'm saying. Maybe because I was looking at Jose Miranda, um, but still like highly rated guys. And Miranda has been extremely hot lately. 
um, and is like tailored for fantasy baseball. He's he's not that amazing of a baseball player, but he's an he profiles to be an excellent fantasy player. Um, and Brady Singer has been scorching hot lately, and he was a guy who he had more hype than Jose Miranda did. Um, his last two outings, both double-digit strikeouts, both against teams that are in the playoff hunt in the Yankees and the Rays. Um, and and that's not like where it ends. Both two two more quality starts before that. So I, if I was Damon, I'd be monitoring Brady Singer very closely, uh, monitoring Jose Miranda very closely, and seeing like if I keep Judge for a first-round pick, which like is steep for Judge. Judge has never been, maybe he was after his rookie season, an ADP first round pick guy. So if I'm going to use a first round pick to keep him, which obviously I'm going to, maybe I can soften that blow if he's not quite as good in a non-contract year or in a PED suspension year. I'm only kidding. Um, By keeping Brady Singer and Jose Miranda. And if you get production out of them at those places, that is, uh, it's bold, but I I would prefer that strategy to just like, I don't know, keep Tim Anderson or Walker Bueller. Like, eh, eh. I'm glad you brought them up because one of my first thoughts was Tim Anderson only because I'm sure that the round contract wouldn't be too, too steep. But if you're in Damon's position, you've got the best player in fantasy so far this year, Aaron Judge. So I do think that, like you said, it is obvious to keep him. But why not do what you said? You know, Brady Singer's looked excellent over the last, I don't even know how many, like you said, starts, but he's looked really, really, really good. And I know that he's changed the picks, the pitch mix considerably. Um, so there is reason for his dramatic shift. It's not just getting lucky. And Jose Miranda, I'm pretty sure that, like, I think since the beginning of June, maybe somebody said, like, or maybe the middle of June, like, Ho- Jose Miranda is hitting, like, 311 or something like crazy and he's got like like tons of extra base hits um you know plenty of power like you know good counting stats and it's like he has been better than i i'd say probably like 90 percent of the field at his position at third base and he's also got i think he has first base too doesn't he have first base yeah, he's going to have both next year, too, which is huge, especially that third dual base. dual eligibility is so freaking nice. I mean, we we talk about it with Austin Riley, or maybe I didn't talk about it today, but, like, you know, one of the benefits of having a stud like Austin Riley is that you can plug him at first, you can plug him at third, which are two positions that they're not as deep as they used to be, especially not third base. Um, first base is a little bit deeper, I, I guess, but, like, you know, third base is, like, Baron, bro. Like Bobby Witt is like the fourth rated third baseman in our league, and he's batting like 250. Um, it's just like, you know, it's like Devers, Machado, Jose Ramirez, and that's like about it. Um, yeah. So it's bad. Yeah, I don't know. I think that keeping those two guys, that makes the most sense to me right now if I'm Damon. Um, you got to follow how they do for the rest of the season, especially I think Singer, um, Miranda at this point I think almost is like a no-brainer. But like he's he's been on like a three-month stretch where he's been very very good, and I think that's enough to prove to me that he's capable of having a, a full season that's good. Yeah, and and like this isn't me bullshitting because like I, I'm in another keeper league on fan tracks that has the same exact rules. And I just spent a lot of fab on bringing in Jose Miranda specifically so that I could keep him because my keeper situation, like I'm really in the hunt and all my guys would be super expensive to keep. And I wanted a cheap keeper. I think Miranda's a good move. If, if that's too much risk, I, when you said Tim Anderson, 
because you were like you said something about like his round cost probably isn't that bad i was like oh yeah that's right because he was ranked pretty low for espn and damon did get him in the sixth i assumed he was a fourth so like if you no. if that's too much risk I, i'm surprised then... that it was even a sixth i thought i remembered seeing him and being like man that feels late for tim anderson so i think a six is pretty good yeah so like if it's too much risk to do both singer and miranda then i'd replace singer with anderson but honestly if it were me I think I'd, I'd go with the two super late guys and see what I could do with all those early picks. I mean, yeah, I think that it's a strategy. Either, like you can go with either strategy and you'd be all right. But um, we're yeah. locks league. Tim Anderson has a 4.4% walk rate this year. Like, yeah. And what's Miranda's like, can you quickly pull up Miranda's? I bet that it's, I bet. It's uh, yeah, I could. That. Jose Miranda not only has a much higher average exit velocity, which like, to be fair, that's kind of what we expect in Miranda versus, oh no, Miranda, I forgot, doesn't really walk that much. This is actually 0.4% lower, but like they actually, honestly, they kind of profile kind of similarly. It's just way less ground balls for Miranda. So he's going to hit for lower average, but more power. Why not go with a dual eligible guy that you can keep in the last round? If that's the case. Especially with how deep shortstop is. Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah. anyways, I'm glad we did that because I think that it's definitely the conversations people need to start having. For sure. Yeah. Is there a division we want to tackle next week? Yeah, let's do um, what's the other one that you and I both aren't in. Um, let's do the other one of that. It's not. It is. You're in Gettysburg. I'm in Gettysburg. Waterloo. No, oh, I'm in Getty- Thermopylae. Oh, you're in Thermopylae. All right. So Gettysburg, we will do next week, which is Brian Boston's team, John's team, Ian's team and Andrew Sullivan's team. Sweet. All right, man. Well, thanks everybody for uh, listening again and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. Sounds good. Good luck this week.